Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host Kevin DeVries and as always if you'd like to reach us at the podcast you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Alright now we're joined by Richard Burns who of course writes for Yahoo. He's joining us to talk about Manchester City. Oh, also the Blue Moon podcast. Didn't mean to forego that. Um, no big deals from Manchester City on this deadline day. Uh, some people thinking that Gabriel Jesus is a January edition, but even though he's joining now, uh, the deal was done back in the summer, I believe. Uh, but what do you think we can expect from him as he is the, quote, like a new signing, unquote? Um. Well, he's already in uh, one game and eight minutes looked very, very promising. Mm. So it's really, uh, it'd be really easy to fall into the trap of thinking, and please forgive the pun, but it's the the go-to one, but to think that he is our saviour and that everything's going to be rosy now because we've got this phenomenally talented young kid. What is bound to happen is at some point, he's bound to find some difficulties with just everything that goes along with being a young man moving to a completely new culture and a completely new league um, and just the massive weight of expectation on him is a a young lad who, um, you know, over here there's not, and I count myself in this, there's not a whole lot of experts on Brazilian football and yet every City fan is now an expert on, on Gabriel Jesus because they've watched YouTube clips of him and vines of him when he was scoring every other week for Palmeiras and his assists. Everybody's got this expectation of him through video clips that they've seen. And then he came on against Tottenham for his debut and he looked really keen. He wanted the ball. He was clearly not phased by the occasion. Um, He was in that eight minutes. He had a a pretty keen sense of uh, what his teammates were doing and the right decision of when to take a man on or, lay it off to a teammate. And then obviously he had his goal, which um, it'll sound weird this because although he was clearly about half a yard, a yard offside, his positioning was really good. He just got a little bit too eager, um, I think. But his understanding of, again, where his teammates were going to take up their space in the box, where the ball was going to come across the box, uh, he's clearly adapted to that side of things pretty quickly. So I think we can expect over time, I think we can expect a lot of him. I do worry about um, short-term impact when he does have what I think will be an inevitable dip because every player, particularly at his age, still really learning the trade and, and learning a new league. Um, I, I worry that an inevitable dip will lead 
to criticism from our increasingly uh, impatient supporters. Um, but I hope not. I hope the excitement and the buzz around him lasts long enough to forgive him any uh, any issues that might arise whilst he's adapting. Because the, the talent and his goal-scoring record is is there for all to see. Uh, and he's made a, an incredibly encouraging start. Hmm. Yeah, I was very impressed by uh, Gabriel Jesus in that Spurs match as well. Uh, we mentioned kind of in the lead-in to that, that Manchester City didn't technically make a move in January. This deal was done previously. Uh, really, nobody in the top six made a big, splashy move. Um, and we spoke with Steve uh, Boniface earlier on uh, an Arsenal club update and saying that basically nobody nobody made a move because nobody made a move. Nobody was trying to keep up. Uh, do you think City maybe should have done more? Or are you kind of pleased that not only City, but the whole top six kind of eased off the gas after it was a very big summer of spending? I think from uh, from our point of view, we don't have a great history of, of January transfers anyway. And I think that's just something that's ingrained in the way that we act now. The, the last time we made a January signing was uh, two years ago when we went and spent um, 27 and a half, somewhere around that, 27 and a half million on Wilfred Bonney to try and fix a, a problem in the short term. And obviously got our fingers massively burnt. We, we wasted a lot of money there. Um, the last really big January signing before that would have been Aidan Dzeko, which obviously did work out, but it took him six months to settle. He didn't do a whole lot um, in the back half of that season. So we we generally don't do a lot of business in, in January. We, we tend to save it for the summer. Um, and I'm, I think really I'm probably glad that we've stuck to that because I think it's very, very easy, particularly, you know, everybody's screaming about the problems that City have. We have problems in defence, um, and they are problems that, to my mind, will only be fixed by uh, bringing new players in because the problem players, um, I don't really think, have the intelligence to do what Pep wants them to. Um, we'll only fix it with recruitment, but going doing that in January is so easy to to panic by, and we face a premium anyway because obviously we're a, we're a very rich club, and then there's a January premium, and a lot of the best players are... The clubs don't want to let them go because they're too important to them and, and they don't want to sacrifice the second half of their season. Or they're already cup-tied because they're playing in the Champions League and so we'd only be getting domestic benefit of signing them. So I think you you have to... Um, there's always that thing that I think managers say when they're asked, will you be making any signings in January? You do always have to have in mind that if a deal that is just too good to be turned down becomes available and it fits your long-term aims, um, then, yeah, you, you'd obviously want the club to grasp that, I suppose. But as it stands, uh, I would rather City grin and bear their problems defensively and make the best of that until the end of the season than go and splash a load of money out on a player that might be out of favour in six months or might not settle in quickly because um, there's, there's just so much risk attached to it and, and we've seen... The, the 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 one occasion in the last five years or so that we've really dipped into the market, it backfired massively. Uh, so, no, I'm, I'm glad that we didn't. And then as for the rest of the top six, yeah, given that we didn't go into the market, I'm, I'm glad that our rivals haven't gone and strengthened. I've, I've been a, a bit worried today about the, not that we're going to catch Chelsea, but about them going after Dembele from Celtic because I think he probably will be a fine sign-in for somebody. And if he goes to them today, then it's uh, it's not going to do them any damage as 
they pull away from us and obviously we're still in the FA Cup with them which would be nice to win so any strengthening that they do wouldn't really be welcome to us um, but yeah generally I suppose you, you have to be happy when your rivals don't strengthen even taking into account the risk that I've just said for us there is true for anybody the risk of signing in January uh, so unbalanced yeah I'm glad not to see our rivals strengthening whilst we're not I think we've got enough about us um, on a level playing field to push on in the second half of the season and uh, and still cement that top four place yeah uh, all good points there uh, you mentioned you don't want a six-month fix, but what what are the long-term fixes? I mean, we've known that Manchester City have an aging squad for a while now. Um, the fact that Silva and Toure have kind of reclaimed their places, the fact that the wing-backs have been aging for years and are all above 30 years old, the center-backs still don't seem great. Bravo has obviously had his issues. Where do you think you really need to strengthen in the summer? Well, this is... Um, the aging thing is really interesting um and annoys me because the, the aging process doesn't take anybody by surprise does it we've we've known that we would have at this point in time we have known that we would have four fullbacks over the age of 30 we've known that since we signed Sanya and we've obviously known McLeishy, Kolarov and Zabaleta that they were all heading there before we signed Sanya and we've just We've never even, from what I can see, we've never looked to address it. There's a bit of talk that in the summer Pep was desperate for us to sign uh, Hector uh, Bellerin or Bayerin, whatever the invoke pronunciation is at the moment, <laughs> um, that he was keen for him or it was nobody. And obviously that was something that never that never came to pass. Um, and so, But the bit that baffles me is City have known for three years that they wanted Guardiola. And they've not made any secret of that. When they announced that they'd uh, that they'd actually managed to, you know, when they announced his appointment, they referenced negotiations that were last curtailed in 2012. They've always known that their aim was to bring Guardiola to the club. And I think they've always known that it would probably happen. And so by not signing players, and I'm not suggesting that whilst he was managing Bayern Munich, he should have been working out who he wanted at City, because clearly that wouldn't really work. But the club knew the general idea and where they were heading. And they haven't gone and signed the players that he needed, or they haven't... There's no obvious... There's no obvious sign that they they even tried to do it. And so what they've done is when you look at the problems that Guardiola has faced this year, they've largely been with his defence. There's problems with... Uh, how slow we are attacking as well. But they've largely been with his defence and with the personnel in the defence. And so Guardiola gets a, he gets a fair bit of criticism from our press because they're very sceptical about him. And, and every defeat or every failure is a chance to stick the knife in and, and for somebody to be proved right that there's something special about English football that he can't adapt to. But actually, the club, and the club being uh, Chiki Bagaristin as um, CEO or Director of Football, sorry, and, and Khaldun Almobrak as chairman the club are complicit in this failure because they chose to keep Pellegrini in place for a year when they knew he wasn't good enough because it made sense because they knew Pep was coming a year later so they chose to essentially write off a season and by not having the players in place for Guardiola when he took over they've risked writing off another season in terms of a, a title challenge and really really sort of tangible progression so the long-term aim has to be yeah sign good younger players and we have to make the focus massively in defensive areas we're all right striker wise because we've got Jesus and 
Ian Apture hasn't really kicked on this season, but the talent there for Pep to work with, and obviously Aguero's Aguero if he stays. There's a few rumours about that as well. But assuming he stays, we're all right striker-wise. And obviously De Bruyne, Sané, Sterling, um, we've got good youngish players there to work with. Um, but we've got a disaster of a goalkeeper and a great young centre-back in John Stones who occasionally looks a bit out of place. But in my opinion, that's because he's so far advanced beyond the rest of the defence. He's the only defender we've got who can play Guardiola's style. And he's out of step with the rest of them, which often reflects badly on him. Um, company's injury-prone. If we could somehow keep him fit, then, OK, we'd have two solid centre-backs there. But the full-backs are either through age, injury or intelligence or lack of, they're a disaster that mm. I was going to say is waiting to happen. But unfortunately, in, in Kolarov's case and quite often in Clichy's case, they're a disaster that keep on happening. Um, and Otamendi. Otamendi's occasionally brilliant, but often not. So there's just so many problems to sort out. And they, they're they not going to be sorted by coaching. They can only be sorted by, um, by spending the money. So... I, I probably can't tell you all the names that we need to sign and who the, the best young full-backs and best young central defenders in Europe are, other than Aymeric Laporte, who we tried to sign in the summer and he chose to stay at Bilbao instead. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's, that's the long-term aim, improve the defence. We need players that, that Pep can work with because he hasn't got that. And at the moment, the battering that he takes for his defence is not completely unjustified, but uh, largely the fingers are, are pointed in the wrong direction because it's... Very easy to just point at the coach, isn't it? But uh, the the hierarchy at City are complicit in the problems that we have, and deliberately so, because they wanted they were so desperate for Guardiola, which I support, by the way. Um, but they were so desperate for him that they were blind to everything else. Hmm. Hmm. I'm really glad that you mentioned um, Guardiola and the long term plan and all that stuff, because I think that's largely what the issue is, and the press seems so busy trying to show that Pep underrated the Premier League, um, that they're kind of missing the point, which is, and I'd love to, to hear if you agree with me or if I'm just uh, out on a limb here, but my thoughts on why City have s- struggled this season is A, the Premier League is much harder than it was last year, mm-hmm. and B, and I think this is the more important thing, is that Pep Guardiola came to instill a long-term plan, but is stuck with short-term players. And I love that you mentioned, (laughs) they probably don't, the intelligence of the defenders. Because I think a lot of the issue is that the defenders that you do have have either not bought into the system or don't understand the system or the system is counter to their natural instinct. Because that was a problem that we had under Andre Villas-Boas is when we went out and bought the Magnificent Seven, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. they were all good individuals. But when they came in, we were asking Paulinho to make fast passes when he was much more of a gather the ball under control, look for options, pass it on. We wanted Kapu to be just a pure defensive midfielder, but he likes bombing forward, as we've seen with Watford. He has like five or six goals this season. Yeah. We brought in Kirakesh to be a defensive stabilizer when he's an absolute nutcase. But he's allowed to do that at Napoli, and he does very well not being held to a certain thing. And I just wonder if that's the issue, is that the impulse... And to be fair, it worked conversely for Sterling. It seemed like he was second-guessing everything, and then Pep has started to really get the best out of him. And I just wonder if maybe it is it is a tactical-slash-vision issue that does not mesh with the squad. Yeah, um, God, there's a, there's a lot to answer there and to unpick, and you've hit upon a lot of things that I really like talking about. <laughs> so, first of all, like the, the Sterling comparison, I've never thought of it in those terms, really, but you're absolutely right. So, Sterling 
part of the reason that he had a disappointing first year was because Pellegrini coached him into a two-touch player, and he's not that. Um, and so as a direct example of how tactics affect a player and, and following direct instruction affects a player, um, yeah, Guardiola's allowed him to be a lot more free and play his natural game. And you're absolutely right, our defenders largely are not playing their, their natural game, and it shows. So the bit on intelligence... Um, Maybe it's a bit harsh. I, I guess I see, um, and I have to take a step back sometimes because I, I would probably class myself as something of a Guardiola fanboy. So I do have to step back sometimes and, and try and work out actually some of this criticism is valid and, and which bits it is. Um, he's definitely been guilty of, and it's he probably wouldn't see it as a criticism, he's definitely been guilty of waiting too long to accept that his defenders can't do what he wants to do. Um, and he had to take a step back and uh, stop messing about with the back four and, and switching between, a, uh, well, I've slipped into it there. He had to set it up as a back four and stop messing about playing with three central defenders and two wing backs and um, this idea of inverted full backs that we were using at the start of the season has fallen apart a little bit. Not completely, but has fallen apart a little bit. And as soon as... Um, after the defeat at Leicester, when we were an embarrassment and the defence was just absolutely hideous, he went to a back four against uh, Watford and we won 2-0. And we weren't thrilling, but we were never under pressure either. And OK, you can say that's Watford. But then he did it against Arsenal and we were a lot better. He seems to have accepted that the likes of Otamendi and Kolarov have to play a much more basic defensive game. It doesn't mean he's abandoned his principles properly, uh, entirely because Guardiola won't do that. He doesn't see football in that way. And I genuinely think he would rather be unsuccessful and be sent back to Spain as a failure than just give up on his principles because it's so important to him. Um, but he has dialed it back a little bit. So the bit on intelligence and whether players are playing their natural game... Otamendi is not a defender who will work well um, with a high press. Oh, sorry, with a not with a high press, with a with a high defensive line and possession based football. Yes, he can hold on to it and he can, you know, he can he can move the ball 10, 15 yards to pick out a teammate, but he doesn't see it in the way that, okay, if I pass the ball to John Stones, then that moves that shifts out of the opposition's entire position up the pitch rather than hoofing the ball. He doesn't see the game in that way. He doesn't see that we're opening up spaces and picking out spaces. Um, and he's never going to see the game in that way. He and Kolarov don't work in a high defensive line because they, are, they don't read the game well enough and they're not fast enough. So we saw it We saw it about six times in two games, seven times in two games when we conceded three against Chelsea followed by four against Leicester. A team breaks our defensive line and you leave them running through clean on goal, you leave like William, Jamie Vardy, um, Aidan Hazard, all punishers for it. You leave them running through clean on goal where the percentage chance of them scoring is massively in their favour rather than them missing. Um, and we're conceding goal after goal. And then you get these stats about Bravo never saving a shot. Well, actually, the odds were very rarely in his favour. So you shatter a goalkeeper's confidence. And that's not a defence of Bravo because he's not been very good. Um, but... Yeah, we've got defenders who they're just not intelligent enough. So that takes me back to the the John Stones point that I made earlier. Stones gets Guardiola's play. It is natural to him. He is a possession-based footballer. He's not perfect. He does make mistakes. But you freeze frame almost any 
John Stone's mistake, with the exception of the one at Everton that ended up not mattering because it was the fourth goal anyway, but uh, the back pass that he messed up against Leicester where we conceded a fourth goal, the back pass that he messed up uh, against Southampton when we conceded a goal, you freeze frame either of those at the point that he tries to give the ball away and then look where his teammates are stood around him and there's no one on show. There's, there's nobody in a good position. The Southampton one, Vincent Company was in the ideal position. And at the exact moment that Stones tries to pass the ball to him, Company steps up. He's not in tune with what Stones is doing. Um, and that must be so frustrating for Guardiola because it's resulted in, at times, him having to take John Stones out of the team. He's become, like that first 10 games, Stones looked like he was going to be an absolute mainstay. And instead, he's been rotated probably a lot more than he's happy with. And I honestly think it's because. 90% of the time his teammates just aren't in tune with him because he's all he's a step ahead of them um, so yeah Guardiola has had to he, he stuck too long with trying to um, trying to get players to do things that they can't do hmm. do, but, do you think sorry not to interrupt but do you think no, the fine. solution is working on a more short term view with the players available or trying to stick to the style trying to ingrain it in the side where you finish is where you finish, and then you address it in the summer. It's a really difficult question to answer because I sort of have two opinions on it. Um, in terms of making sure that we finish in the top four, which means that we'll have a better chance of bringing in good players next summer, which means, uh, and it obviously, you know, we'll keep the press a little bit off his back because the, the press are really skeptical of Guardiola. Just as a, as a little side point, um, there is an arrogance in the English media that wants the, the Premier League to be the league that's hardest to crack. And there's, a, there's an element of truth in it, but Germany isn't exactly the same as Spain. And he went and adapted there and he worked out what his deficiencies were, why he couldn't just turn Bayern Munich into Barcelona. And he adapted and created a hell of a football team. There's no reason that he can't adapt to the Premier League because Guardiola sees the game so well. He's a very, very intelligent coach. Um, and there's elements of the press here where... There's either people who fully believe in Guardiola and expected him to completely revolutionise the Premier League, which he's not going to do quite, um, or there's those that expect him to be a failure because he won't, he can't adapt to how special the Premier League is. And people on both sides have such a desperate desire to be right that it, it clouds the judgment of him both ways. So after 10 games, he was the Messiah, and then after 20 games, is a is a flop and he's Fraudiola and all that ridiculous stuff. Um, so I want him to achieve a level of success that buys him a bit of credit with the press that keeps them off his back um, because it, it, I don't want that negativity sort of permeate in the club um, but there's an element of me thinks if he isn't true to himself and does go to a more simple game and abandons a little bit of his principles then the short term step back of that could have quite a long term effect like will the players respect him for that if they see that they have a bit more success with that, then next season, when he tries changing things again, they're going to be a bit more sceptical. They're going to see, well, we had that 10-game run last year where we were conceding goals to everyone. We conceded four goals to a team that are in a relegation battle. We conceded four goals to a fairly average Everton team. But then we went to this basic style that we know a bit better and we had a bit more success with it and it stabilised our season. Like... I don't want anything to happen that's going to stop the players buying into Guardiola because um, one of the points that you made earlier, he's been given such a remit at the club that it's not about short-term success. Guardiola's here to give City an identity that we don't currently have. And it's almost like he's been given carte blanche to 
um, I don't know, maybe almost artificially create as an identity like Johan Cruyff did at Barcelona. They, he's got such a power base at City. He's been given such a, such a huge amount of power to build an identity and a level of success that we've not seen before at, at our club. That um, I worry that any short-term step back from that, even no matter how small it might be, uh, I, I worry about him deviating from what he wants to do. So I, to answer your question, I honestly don't know. I don't know what I'd rather. Um, I know it's infuriating watching the def- watching the team defend as badly as they have been, but the ramifications of him stepping away from what he wants to do uh, might end up in the long term being more damaging. That might, I don't know if that makes sense. I, I don't know if uh, it might sound like I'm talking nonsense, but um, I, I do. I, I worry that he could lose a bit of respect and lose a bit of credibility by stepping away from what he wants to do. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you lose that kind of leadership quality if you can be seen as stepping down from your guns. Yeah. Know. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's my weird take on that. version of what I spent six minute, minutes saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Yours was much more detailed, to be fair. Um, so, with all of these issues, <clears throat> I kind of was aiming here, but we didn't quite get there but we'll we'll just straight up address it now as a city fan do you think you're more in the you'll catch up to the title race pack do you think you're going to make top four or do you think it could just be top six and that's okay it could just be top six but that's probably not okay i don't think we're realistically in the title race not only because of how far behind chelsea we are and what is it is it 12 points now Uh, possibly Um, but they have liverpool and arsenal in their next two so like kind of everyone's still that's true, but we were uh, we were like six points ahead of them after eight games. Um, so the the point swing in such a small space of time, relatively, is pretty incredible. And to expect it to swing back in the other direction when we are as vulnerable as we are to um, daft defeats and conceding daft goals is too much to expect. And not only that, um, even if Chelsea drop the points and we start to make them up, well, there's still other three teams to overhaul, which... It's not just as simple as hunting Chelsea down. Um, so I don't realistically expect us to be in a proper title challenge now, but we. I also hope that we can cling on to the coattails just in case something miraculous happens. Um, but we're definitely good enough for the top four. Um, that If that isn't an absolute minimum aim, and to be fair, it should be top three because we don't want to have to the, the qualification round for the Champions League again. It doesn't do anybody any favours. Um, we're good enough for the top three. It's just about achieving a little bit of consistency and, and finding a a bit of a balance in the defence, um, which is far easier said than done. Um, but I'd, I, I would be extremely disappointed were we not to finish top four because I think that would be... I mean, you always finish where you deserve, but it would be a false representation of the quality that we've got. We'd be letting ourselves down massively. Fair enough. All right, well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out. Why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Yeah, um, I write two articles a week specifically on City for Yahoo Sport UK and I am one of the rotating members of the Blue Moon podcast which is released every Friday and is uh, as you might guess a specific Manchester City podcast alright thanks again hope we speak soon hey 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.